read a story about uh, the great heavyweight champion Muhammad Ali. It is said that uh, during the time that uh, he was the world champion, once he was taking a flight, uh, 747, and he sat and he wasn't wearing the seat belt, so the flight stewardess came up to him and said that, uh, "Sir, could you please fasten your seat belt?" And he looked up angrily and proudly at her and said that Superman doesn't need a seat belt. She just looked right back and said, "Sir, Superman also doesn't need a flight." <laughs> Pride. You know, it's uh, it's the sinful desire in all of us to be seen, to be known, to be heard, to be recognized. And it's one of the sins that is most ignored by us, because. Uh, the manifestations seem to be very right you know we fight for our rights we stand for what we think is uh, is justice now, the manifestations of pride and ego a lot of times seem to be justified seem to be right and therefore it is one of those sins one of the attitudes of the heart which gets very easily ignored by us but it's one of those things which the lord doesn't ignore at all he takes it very seriously and as we read through god's word we realize that in so many places the lord warns us about this one sin one attitude of the heart the crux of today's passage and the incident that we read is actually this matter of pride there are many other things and we'll touch upon that as well but that's the center and the most important theme and that's the lesson that we all ought to learn the lesson that nebuchadnezzar learned the hard way that god resists the proud but gives grace to the humble you know throughout history as we read through god's word we see that so many people fell to this sin starting right from satan and his angels you know the ones who followed him who followed satan in um, in rebelling against god to many other men of god and many others who started off right but fell to this sin of pride so many recorded in the bible and so many even outside in history we see this thing about placing ourselves above god because it breaks his first command where he says that you shall have no other gods before me and where god says that my glory i will give to no other a place that only god can take when we try to take that place in our lives or even in our hearts is something that god is completely against um proverbs especially speaks a lot about the issue of pride i'll read a few verses for you chapter 21 verse 4 haughty eyes and a proud heart are sin so it gets manifested sometimes outside but a lot of times it's inside a proud heart are sin chapter 6 verse 16 and 17 where the lord is speaking about six things the lord hates and seven that are detestable to him again haughty eyes a proud look 16 verse 5 the lord detests or hates 
the proud of heart. Such a strong word that God is using for this attitude. He detests it. He hates it. Verse 18. Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. 29 verse 23. A man's pride brings him low. It leads to destruction. Chapter 11 verse 2. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. And I've just read a few. There are so many more instructions around this attitude of the heart and how cautious we ought to be. And I was supposed to actually uh, speak on this the last time that I stood up. But uh, the Lord led my heart towards another passage and I spoke from Psalms verse 46. And I realized one of the reasons that the Lord was actually, I mean there would have been many, but one of the reasons was that in that time period He was actually giving me a practical lesson as well before I would stand up and speak before you. So yeah, so the last couple of weeks has been a time when the Lord has taught me many things around this area and how I ought to look at my own life. Um, the key verse of Daniel 4, uh, chapter 4, is verse 17. So that the living, and I'm reading from the middle of it, so that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of men. So that this is what you and I would know. And uh, later on, Daniel repeats the same thing when he's interpreting. Afterwards, uh, again, there is a voice from heaven which says the same thing. And eventually, Nebuchadnezzar himself, in his own words, says the same thing. So this thought is repeated four times in this passage. So that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign above all. Um, you know, a beautiful thing about this passage is that it's actually written by Nebuchadnezzar. You know, when you start off, you see King Nebuchadnezzar to the peoples. He's the one writing it. Um, verse 4, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home. And you see that first person almost throughout this passage. In the middle of Daniel, Daniel chose to actually, and kings in, the, in those times used to keep records of, uh, of what would uh, happen, but we also very specifically understand that this was something that Nebuchadnezzar had written and sent out. Sent out perhaps as a letter or as a decree, you know, his people would have gone. And Nebuchadnezzar was the emperor of uh, practically the entire world at that time. And imagine uh, he writing this personal testimony about his encounter finally with the true and living God and sending it out throughout the world. And that's why he starts King Nebuchadnezzar to the peoples, nations and men of every language who live in all the world. And he sends out this uh, personal testimony. And uh, Daniel, uh, through, the, through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, chooses to reproduce that verbatim, uh, word to word. Um, so, um, a, a beautiful um, culmination to the journey that we've been seeing through in the life of Nebuchadnezzar. Um, God, we see, has been pursuing Nebuchadnezzar right through. The Lord has been doing many things, as we see in the lives of, uh, uh, of Daniel and, and his friends, um, and also the others who were uh, taken, uh, taken into exile. But uh, this one theme is so beautiful to see how the Lord is pursuing this pagan king who actually went up against him. And if you just see the entire story of Daniel from that angle, 
we just see that how the lord sent daniel nebuchadnezzar would have thought that you know i have conquered this land and i have just brought in the best of people but god is actually placing his people and his witness in this king's palace because god is pursuing nebuchadnezzar and uh, um, nebuchadnezzar gets to interact first with daniel and his friends young teenage boys um, gets to know that you know they haven't followed his decree about what they ought to eat and and how they ought to be uh realizes that they are so different from everyone else places them in a high place eventually and through a series of dreams not just one but uh, uh he encounters daniel and uh, realizes that uh, there is something very different in this young boy in this young man uh also gets to uh nebuchadnezzar doesn't change at that time right and he builds this big a uh, big statue an idol of himself asks the entire land to bow down and uh, uh, daniel's friends shadrach meshach abednego don't bow down and again nebuchadnezzar encounters this you know young group of people again you know in the coming into the scene um, he punishes them but they are there in that fiery furnace alive and they are able to actually articulate their faith you know and speak out in front of this king in this you know this big emperor time and again he's getting to hear about their faith he's getting to see how they live and then eventually again uh, the lord brings him to yet another point where he'll get to uh, encounter and spend time with daniel and and actually get to finally uh, understand who this real uh, true living god is god's pursuit of nebuchadnezzar so beautiful uh, to see that the lord did not let go of even though nebuchadnezzar didn't get it the first time the second time the third time but god constantly pursued and kept going after him um this uh, passage has a very interesting introduction and conclusion um and we'll we'll get to that later but right now we'll look at the middle portion which is the uh, the testimony of nebuchadnezzar and the incidents the way they unfold uh nebuchadnezzar starts off by talking about yet another nightmare that he had right uh, this there's a problem which doesn't seem to be leaving him verse 4 i nebuchadnezzar was at home at my palace contented and prosperous i had a dream that made me afraid as i was lying in my bed the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me you know so this seems to be something which which keeps coming back at him and i used to like i told you earlier i used to struggle with this problem till my parents told me you know to uh, uh, to pray about it and eventually the lord uh, helped me through it right so that's something that i don't struggle with any more but i can uh, in some ways relate with king nebuchadnezzar and how he would have just woken up in a sweat uh, but this is in the middle of a very peaceful situation for him very very peaceful atmosphere he says that i was in my palace contented and prosperous you know he had this contentment in life and when we uh, go through the uh, go through the uh, uh, dream and its interpretation we realize that that was because he was doing very well for himself he was fairly settled uh, his kingdom was fairly settled and everybody uh, was happy so there was this sense of contentment that he has but the lord reminds us in his word that contentment by itself is not good if it does not come 
through the source of godliness, then it's not actually gain. A lot of times we end up misunderstanding contentment as being a blessing. Contentment without godliness is actually not great gain. The only time that contentment is great gain is when it is combined with godliness, when it comes from Him, when it comes because of the reason which is He Himself. In fact, the reverse is also true. Godliness without contentment is also not great gain. Yeah? And that's also something that we ought to be wary of. But here, uh, God shakes things up for uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Right? Just as He does a lot of times for us. You know, these times of contentment, which is without godliness, the Lord will come and shake it up so that we realize that the only true source of contentment is in Him. And the Lord uh, shakes Him up through this, uh, through, this, uh, uh, through this dream and this nightmare that He has. And the wise men of Babylon were not able to interpret it yet again. And therefore, uh, verse 8 says, Finally, Daniel. So Daniel comes back into the scene. God has just set it up nicely for Daniel to be able to come and, uh, and reveal uh, the true and living God. Um, look at how Nebuchadnezzar speaks about Daniel. See, these are Nebuchadnezzar's words. Finally, Daniel came into my presence and I told him the dream. He is called Belteshazzar after the name of my God. So this is Nebuchadnezzar speaking about, you know, uh, the God that he used to believe in at that time. And the spirit of the holy gods is in him. The spirit of the holy gods is in him. What a wonderful testimony by Nebuchadnezzar about Daniel. See, Daniel's life showed it. Daniel's life at his workplace, which is the king's palace, showed this kind of life that people around him said that the spirit of the holy gods is in him. And he was doing this silently. You know, it was just the way he was living that people were able to see that God is in him. We've been uh, studying First Peter in our, uh, in our Thursday cell group and I believe the Wednesday cell group is uh, also studying from that. Look at uh, chapter 3 and verse 1 and 2. Although that is in the context of, uh, uh, of believing women who are married to unbelieving men, but the application uh, still remains. Wives in the same way, First Peter chapter 3 and verse 1 and 2. Wives in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. See, that's possible. For people to be won over without words when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. And I believe that's what Daniel was doing. His life was filled with purity. It was filled with reverence. And he was winning people over without words. And people were able to recognize. People like uh, people like uh, Nebuchadnezzar were able to recognize that the spirit of the holy God is in him. I read about uh, uh, David Livingston and there was this another person called Henry Stanley who went to visit David Livingston when David Livingston was in Africa. And uh, at the time that uh, Henry went to visit David, uh, Henry uh, was a skeptic. You know, he, uh, he would be questioning everything about Christianity. 
But uh, Henry went and spent some time with him. And later on, Henry said that not even once did, did David speak to me about my faith. Not even once did he question me. Not even once did he try to convince me. Uh, he didn't do any of that. Uh, uh, in fact, he didn't, he didn't even tell me that he was praying for my faith or for my conversion. Nothing like that. Uh, and then people ask, then, then how did you uh, change around and, and how did you get saved? And Henry says that because those years I was just watching David and I realized that that's a faith that I want. That's a faith that I want. David Livingston, just by the way he was living, was able to bring another person to faith. Um, and, and a lot of times we feel that, you know, this is, this is stalwarts of faith. You know, these are missionaries that we read about in books. They live those kind of lives. You know, just last week when uh, my sister Joyce was here, she was telling me about uh, this youth meeting that she went to where uh, there were a lot of new uh, comers who had come and she went and spoke to this young girl, uh, realized, um, you know, this girl was from another faith. So my, uh, my sister asked, so how did you come to become a follower of Jesus? Uh, and this uh, young girl said that uh, it was through a, uh, through a college friend of mine where I, where I was studying. So uh, Joyce, my sister, uh, assumed that, you know, this uh, girl, uh, the believer girl might have shared her faith uh, with her friend. But this girl said, no, she never spoke to me about her faith. Joyce said, then, then how did you? She said that I was just observing her. And for, uh, you know, those three years that we were together, we were not even in the same uh, room. She was down the aisle in another room in the hostel. But I was just observing her and I realized that uh, here's someone who is very, very different. And uh, over a period of time, I just wanted that kind of life. And then I reached out to her and I asked her. And then she told me, you know, people will come to us and ask us about the hope that we have if only we are able to live like that, right? May the Lord really help us to be able to live such lives that our lives speak the gospel. Just see the contrast, you know, between how Nebuchadnezzar speaks about his own God and speaks about Daniel. He says, uh, we're back in chapter 4 of Daniel, verse 8. Finally, Daniel came into my presence and I told him the dream. He is called Belteshazzar after the name of my God. And the spirit of the holy gods is in him. Suddenly, when he's speaking about Daniel's God or Daniel's faith, he says, the holy gods is in him. How do you think, um, or why do you think Nebuchadnezzar is making that differentiation between his own deity? You know, usually a person will hold his deity above. But here Daniel, uh, Nebuchadnezzar is actually, you know, when he speaks about his deity, he just says, my God. And when he speaks about Daniel's deity, he's saying, the holy God. There is no other explanation except for the fact that Daniel's life was like that. And Nebuchadnezzar was able to see that my deity is not influencing my life in, towards holiness at all. But look at this young man. You know, he's living a holy life. The only reason could be that the God that he believes in is also holy. You know, Nebuchadnezzar knew that we will become like who we believe in. We'll become like who we idolize. We will become like who we follow. And Nebuchadnezzar saw that, you know, here's a young man who is holy and definitely it is because his God is holy or the person that he believes in is holy. By this time, Daniel has already become the chief among, here it says, magicians. Uh, it really means the chief among the scholars or the most wise people at that time. 
and uh, uh, in verse 9 it says i belteshazzar uh, i said belteshazzar chief of the magicians i know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and then um, he goes on nebuchadnezzar goes on to tell him about the dream that he had about the tree in the middle of the land uh, which grew large strong uh, reached uh, so high that it touched the skies it was visible to the ends of the earth it had beautiful leaves abundant fruit food for all uh, animals were taking shelter there birds were living in that tree and every creature was being fed you know just the expansion when daniel later on interprets that dream just the expansion of nebuchadnezzar's kingdom and how it was taking care of practically the entire world and then the messenger from heaven comes and cuts it down orders it to be cut down the only thing that it leaves that he leaves behind is the stump and the roots which are bound together with iron and bronze and in verse 15 nebuchadnezzar himself has this feeling that uh, this is not just about the tree this is about a person and that's why it says uh, uses all those personal pronouns it says but let uh, in verse uh, 15 let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth we see this personal pronoun suddenly coming in reference to this tree so nebuchadnezzar himself realized that uh, there is something else to this you know this is talking about a person and at the end of it as daniel uh, heard this dream we see daniel for a for a while just remain silent you know he's perplexed look at verse 19 then daniel was greatly perplexed for a time for a while daniel just goes silent he just stood there not saying anything because daniel already now by now understood the meaning of this dream and it moved him it moved him to sadness it moved him to compassion towards this king who he was serving towards a pagan cruel king that he was serving towards the king who was responsible for his parents having been murdered towards the king who was responsible for him being in exile you know for him having lost his identity his people towards the king who was forcing him and putting so much pressure on him and on his friends to leave his faith towards that kind of king daniel is moved with compassion and and sadness to a point that he is not able to speak i was just thinking about you know how we feel about those above us how we feel about those who oppress us uh let's look again at first peter you know it has uh, one more section which touches upon exactly this first peter chapter 2 verse 18 slaves submit yourselves to your masters with all respect not only to those who are good and considerate nebuchadnezzar would have been far from good and considerate he is not a good and considerate boss for sure not a good and considerate master for sure but that's what god's word says not only to those who are good and considerate but also to those who are harsh for it is commendable if a man bears up 
under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. What is our message like? You know, when we share the good news about what God has done in our lives, what is our message like? Does it become judgmental? Does it become damning? Does it become harsh? Or are we truly driven to sadness when we try and tell someone else that their souls are headed towards eternal perdition, towards eternal destruction? Does it truly come from a point of feeling compassion the way that Jesus did when he used to look at the crowds, the way that Daniel did when he understood what God is actually pronouncing on Nebuchadnezzar? Daniel's attitude towards a harsh and pagan king. Why was it? You know, First Peter uh, lists those reasons or the motivations behind this kind of an attitude. Just see, uh, let's see that together. First Peter chapter 2 again. Verse 13. He was doing it for the Lord's sake. Verse 15. For the Lord's will. Verse 16. Because we are the Lord's servants. Verse 19, because of the Lord's presence in our lives, because we are conscious of God. Verse 21, because of the Lord's calling and because of Christ's example. You know, that's the motivation behind being able to have this kind of an attitude, an attitude of compassion, an attitude of love towards those who oppose towards those who, um, uh, who persecute and uh, who are against the gospel. You know, something for all of us to really think about. And then uh, coming back to Daniel chapter 4, Daniel interprets the dream from verse 20 to 26. Uh, and I find that verse 26 really interesting. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its root means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. You know, the Lord had already ordained a way out. The Lord had already ordained a way out. He didn't cut it all through. He let that stump be. The stump as a symbol that there was still an opportunity to come back. There was still room for repentance. Not just for him. Not just for Nebuchadnezzar. But isn't that true in all of our lives? Isn't that what the Lord has done and keeps doing again and again for us? Keeps the door open for us to come back. Keeps room for repentance for us. And Daniel pleads and tells the king that, you know, while this is the dream, if you truly repent, God will forgive. If you truly repent and don't go down that path, God will truly forgive. But Nebuchadnezzar refused to repent. He refused to repent just like the people of uh, Nineveh, even Nebuchadnezzar could have had that chance, in spite of God's judgment, could have had that chance of repentance and being saved. But God so patiently still gives him time. He gives him 12 months, it says in verse 29. You know, he just gives him time and place and room for repentance. Time to think over the message that, that Daniel had told him. Time to introspect and to come back to him. 
we have a patient and gracious god throughout history has been patient has been giving time whether it was in the time of uh, noah where he preached for so many years whether it was uh, in the lives of people like saul whether it was uh, um, in our own lives god has been patient and has been giving time and that's what he does for nebuchadnezzar but uh, nebuchadnezzar's pride gets the better of him in verse 30 and 31 he says as the king was walking to the roof of the royal palace of babylon he said is not this the great babylon i have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty see the areas of pride you know the whole thing about who he is i'm a majestic king i'm powerful the part about what he has i have this great city this this great nation babylon and look at my royal residence and the pride about what he does i am the one who has built all of this you know i am known for all of this uh, nebuchadnezzar was known for his building projects uh, in fact uh, one of the great uh, seven wonders of the ancient world the hanging gardens of babylon is something that he built for his wife a 400 feet high um, uh, you know area for recreation and enjoyment uh, he was known for his building projects and and all of that filled him up with pride and these are areas that you and i need to think about you know pride about who we are where we come from what family we come from or what all we have achieved in life what all we have done you know maybe in education maybe in career pride of the things that we possess and these are all areas that we ought to be careful about you know the areas that we are doing well in are the ones which are most susceptible to pride if you were to just look at your life and look at the areas where you're doing well including you know the areas of spiritual activity uh maybe you should just take those areas to the lord and say uh lord i want to thank you for blessing me in these areas but i also understand that these could be areas where i fall prone to pride the quickest and the easiest can you please guard me can you please help me uh, we end up with this desire to rule over the little empires of our lives you know the the, the little empires that we've built for ourselves and where we've crowned ourselves as kings over that may the lord help us to um to be careful to be wary and to take this before him what happens to nebuchadnezzar as soon as the words were verse 31 of chapter 4 the words were still on his lips when a voice came from heaven and then uh the decree that happens to him and he becomes like a uh like a wild animal and i was reading that uh, uh this is actually a psychological disease uh, a medical disease called lycanthropy which where people it's very very rare but where human beings start behaving like animals and that's what strikes uh nebuchadnezzar at that time he becomes like a wild animal uh this great emperor this king over almost the entire world at that time uh just is Uh, is 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 just relegated to uh, a, a mere animal and uh, 
and that's what uh, that's how he lives for the next 7 years we read in uh, verse 34 and 35 at the end of that time i nebuchadnezzar raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored then i praised the most high i honored and glorified him who lives forever finally nebuchadnezzar comes back to his senses you know that's when he got the message that's when he understood where he was going wrong and he uh he gets transformed god will humble every man some day you know the bible says that every knee will bow but so much better for us if we were to do that out of our own free will and come to him now when there is opportunity to accept his grace and his forgiveness in our lives um nebuchadnezzar's life this progression of of someone who um did not believe in this god at all was completely against him you know destroyed his people destroyed his temple encountered his people at a very close uh, in a very close way and then eventually coming to this point where he is able to actually understand who this true and living god is uh chapter th- in chapter 3 and verse 15 look at uh, how nebuchadnezzar speaks halfway through that verse chapter 3 and verse 15 if you are ready to fall down and worship the image i made very good but if you do not worship it you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace then what god will be able to rescue you from my hand you know from that kind of an attitude now we hear nebuchadnezzar say these words and that's the beginning and the ending part of of daniel chapter 4 chapter 4 verse 1 king nebuchadnezzar to the peoples nations and men of every language who live in all the world may you prosper greatly it is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the most high god has performed for me you know he's talking about how this god has intervened in his life in a very personal way and he says in verse 3 how great are his signs how mighty his wonders if if someone were to just give us this passage and not tell us where it is from our guess would be it's from psalms and that david is singing this right he says how great are his signs how mighty his wonders his kingdom is an eternal kingdom his dominion endures from generation to generation and then towards the end he says from verse 34 onwards uh then i praised the most high i honored and glorified him who lives forever his dominion is an eternal dominion his kingdom endures from generation to generations all the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing he does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the people of the earth no one can hold back his hand or say to him what have you done verse 37 now i nebuchadnezzar praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just and those who walk in pride he's able to humble what a turnaround in the life of nebuchadnezzar a lot of commentators have actually titled this chapter as the conversion of nebuchadnezzar because most uh, bible teachers actually believe that we will have nebuchadnezzar with us in heaven you know that's the kind of transformation that happened in the life of this king who was so against and who we would have never imagined uh you know uh, coming to know and believe and follow uh jehova himself um 
it's beautiful to see how the lord pursues him it is beautiful to see how the lord uses various people in his life you know uh, when we look through the timeline of of this history for almost 40 years daniel was with nebuchadnezzar that's the kind of time that the lord gave to nebuchadnezzar to be able to see the lives of his people and to be influenced by that the lord was so patient with him and so compassionate and we when we were to think about us that's how the lord has been with us you know in many of our lives the lord has pursued us many many times perhaps he still is maybe recognize that and maybe come to him the lord has used so many people to influence our faith maybe be thankful for those people maybe uh, perhaps after the service take some time to call them take some time to text them and tell them that thank you for influencing my journey of faith maybe also remember that we have a role to play in influencing others lives sometimes silently many times with words but may the lord uh, help us to always be aware that we are being an influence on the lives of people around us people are watching us as as a uh, as one of lord servants has said that we might be the only gospel that people get to read um maybe be patient with people a lot of times we give up very soon because uh, uh, you know uh, people don't accept the lord's message or what we are trying to tell them we give up and we become impatient may the lord help us to be patient and may the lord fill us with a compassionate heart as we take the gospel and as we go into the lives of uh, Uh, uh lives of other people and influencing other people in our lives shall we bow down our heads and close this time in a word of prayer may like nebuchadnezzar we also understand and acknowledge the sovereignty of god over everything that happens not just to us but around us so many times our attitude and our words are such as if god is out of control god is not in control may the lord remind us of his sovereignty over everything may he remind us that he is the almighty he is the god of the heavenly hosts of the heavenly armies and yet he also became the god of jacob yet he also became the god of nebuchadnezzar yet he also became your and my god may that be our personal experience may we be able to say the lord this god is my shepherd he is mine may the lord help us to look into our lives and come to him in humility may we be able to see the hidden sins the ones that we ignored many times maybe tell him lord if there is any area where you need to clean me and purge me then do whatever it takes may we have a desire that like daniel god's holiness god's character god's attributes his attitude would be reflected through our lives 
Our gracious Heavenly Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for recording in your word these wonderful truths from history about how you've intervened in the lives of people, not just once or twice, but just kept pursuing people who in our minds would not be worth it, who in our minds would have no chance of a turnaround. But, O oh Lord, as we look into our lives, we realize that we too are like them. We too were like them. Thank you, Lord, for pursuing us. Thank you for beginning a good work in us. Heavenly Father, may you take it to completion and may we do our part as you work in our lives. May we submit to you and to the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives. And as you do that, Lord, through it all, may others be able to see the transformation that you're bringing and may that bring others to you and eventually bring glory to your name. We offer this praise and this prayer in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ.